Our Lord responded to them, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Sabbath day traces all the way back to the creation account in Genesis, where it is said that God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. This then, in God's abundant mercy, becomes the pattern of life for his people. He created man to be co-creators with him. He created man to be fruitful and multiply and flourish the creation. For six days, and then on the seventh, a rest. Beautiful, wonderful gifts from our God, the gift of labor and the gift of rest. But leave it to fallen, scrupulous men to ruin rest, to bind it up with so many laws and customs about what constitutes work and how much of a given activity finally amounts to work, and so on. At the root of the conflict in our gospel lesson is the fact that Jesus has been doing acts of mercy on this seventh day, this Sabbath day of rest. If you pay attention to the way Luke frames the story, you will see that Jesus isn't invited over for crumpets and tea. He's not invited over because they like him or want to hear more from him. A ruler of the Pharisees invites him over specifically on a Sabbath day. And Luke tells us that they are watching him carefully. Then, lo and behold, what presents himself before Jesus but a man in desperate need of healing. A man brought there like a pawn by the lawyers, the experts in the Bible, and the Pharisees. A man in obvious suffering, with his limbs swollen with water, uncomfortable, in desperate need of healing, and they know that this is a weakness of Jesus. When he sees the sick and suffering, he wants to show mercy. Notice how, put, how Luke puts it, that Jesus responds to them, when in fact, not a single word of the lawyers or Pharisees has been written. Jesus judges by their actions exactly what it is that they're saying to him. And thus he responds to them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? These experts in the Bible remain silent, which is indicting enough. Jesus then takes the man, probably if we read it literally, grasps hold of the man heals him, and sends him on his way. 
this man who the Pharisees had brought to be their pawn, their bait, to use people in such a despicable way. Jesus not only heals this man, but restores to him his dignity and sends him out of that place. And then he says to the lawyers and Pharisees, which of you, having a son or an ox who falls into a pit, would not immediately pull him out? Their hypocrisy is evident. Their condemnation is indicated by their continued silence. They cannot say a word. But even deeper, what our Lord has done, and they probably well know it, is that he has paraphrased and applied Deuteronomy 22.4, where the Lord in the law says that if your neighbor's donkey or ox has fallen beside the road, you must not leave it there. You must help him. Recover the beast. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to show mercy? And that is a point of profound interest for us. Because all too often we say no. The law is all about justice and not at all about mercy. Then we say that the gospel is all about mercy and not at all about justice. Then we pit law versus gospel, Moses versus Christ, the Ten Commandments, versus the cross. Whatever mileage might be gained from doing this, at least in the narrow question of one's justification, is utterly lost in the wider question of what it means to be a son of the Father. What it means to be a Christian conformed into the image of Christ. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to show mercy? When we pit the law and mercy against one another and take this to an extreme, we even come up with some sort of notion that there's a conflict within God himself that when he looks at us through the lens of the law, he cannot stand us. He sees nothing but horrible, wretched sinners desperately in need of his wrath and eternal judgment. But when he looks at us through the lens of the cross, then he sees us in mercy as his beloved children whom he loves and cares for. Well, which lens is he looking through? He can't make up his mind. It's God against God. Law against gospel. But this terrible false theology 
is nothing but fallen, sinful beings, fractured in our hearts, fractured in our very consciences, projecting our uncertainty upon God. God who is, in fact, simple, single-minded, desiring that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth in Christ Jesus. God who uses both law and gospel for salvation. God who in his very law commands mercy. When we set before our hearts the cross of Jesus, we see not an antithesis to the law, but rather a consummation, indeed the consummation of the law. What is the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. When the father forsook his son on the cross, did the son cease from loving him? No, the son cried out in perfect love, my God, my God. When all mankind forsook our Lord Jesus on the cross, doing their very worst to him, crucifying God in human flesh, what did Christ do? He loved them with perfect love. Father, forgive them, he said. They know not what they do. Perfect love for God and perfect love for man on the cross. And when this love embodied is pierced through by Roman spear, it is not only his heart that is opened, but the very heart of God. And what pours forth from that all-loving heart is water that is joined with the waters of holy baptism and blood that is joined with the blood of the chalice. Water and blood poured out in perfect and full mercy for you. So that when those terrors of conscience strike you, when you feel as though God must hate you, or at least not like you very much, or God has only blessed you today so that he might take it away tomorrow, or God is being kind to you now, but he has all manner of retributions stored up for you. Instead, you can come to this font and remember the simple, single-mindedness of God. And at this font, recall the waters of his grace that he pours over you as a perpetual baptism, a perpetual flood washing away every sin and every stain. 
so that you may come here this very morning and with sin-parched lips place them upon the chalice and receive from that chalice the blood poured out from the cross to you for the forgiveness of all your sins so that his life might be your life. Is it lawful to have mercy? Indeed. And that is why St. Paul says, I delight in the law in my inner being. It's why Psalm 19, of a part of which we sung in the intro, it is nothing but a praise of God's holy and divine law. For in that law we find Christ. In that law we are directed to Christ and Him crucified. And as law and gospel converge in the body of Christ crucified, what pours forth is mercy for you, for me, and for all. If we would be people of the cross, and our Lord Jesus would have us be people of his cross, then we not only receive the mercy that pours forth from his cross, but we seek to be merciful also to others. The way of the cross is the way of mercy. Indeed, God will set in your life people for no other reason than that you might show them mercy. He might put them at your dining room table. He might put them in the cubicle next to you at the office. He might put them in the grocery store line or any other place. But there are people whom God will bring into your life for the sole purpose that you might show them what this world has not shown them. Mercy. And in showing them mercy, you might also have opportunity to draw them here to the one who says, Come unto me, ye weary, and I will give you Sabbath. I will give you rest. Our Lord Jesus made a habit of healing on the Sabbath, and he continues to do the very same this day. May he heal each one of us, and through us, may he bring healing to the nations. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.